all about the Bell Nexus. I have no idea what that is. Sean wrote it down on a piece of paper. The what? Ask him about the Bell Nexus. That's what's going on with the Computer Electronics Show, among uh, other things. Uh, well, the Consumer Electronics Show, which is no longer the Consumer Electronics Show. It's the CES, which stands for Consumer Electronics Show. I don't get that. What is that? I don't know. Maybe Jeffrey Fowler can answer that question. He's the Washington Post technology columnist, and he's uh, reporting from Las Vegas. Jeff, how are you? I am good and a little worn out from all these gadgets. And and we understand it's generally so crowded at the show. It's it's a bit of a slog just getting from place to place. You got to cut through like two hundred thousand people and at least a hundred thousand robots. Just <laughs> <laughs> and I know one of the things I'm really excited about, and I don't know how much is touched on there at the CES. Um, I was reading about 5G over the weekend, how much faster that's going to be in, than 4G and how that could change a lot of things. Is 5G coming? You know, I think you're the only person I've ever met who doesn't work in the telecoms industry who said, I'm really excited about 5G. Um, <laughs> well, I wasn't but, until I read about it. But on, on 4G, it takes like it could take you, you know, six hours to download a movie. And with 5G, it's a couple of minutes. It's that much yeah. faster. Look, you're, you're exactly right. It is important uh, and it is coming. Uh, it's basically the idea of these next generation networks um, that are going to be super, super, super fast and have very little latency, which means that, yes, you can download, you know, um, Bird Box uh, even faster on your phone when you are out in the field. But um, it means a lot more than that, because now, um, because it's so fast, while all sorts of things can use cellular connections to communicate with with each other, things like self-driving cars. So it could have a big impact. The challenge is we're sort of in the kind of like pre-puberty phase of 5G. A lot it of acne. coming to a couple of places. Yeah, a lot of acne. It, you can get it in Sacramento, actually, with Verizon, but there aren't really very many things that use it yet. And there's a lot of weird uh, marketing games going on between Verizon and AT&T about what really is 5G. So basically... This thing will change our lives, but probably not this year. Oh, okay. Well, so if it's too far off, then I don't need to discuss it. So what has caught your eye and ear there at the CES? Well, there's the important stuff, and then there's the wacky stuff. Um, I always, one of the reasons I come to CES, because I love the wacky stuff. The, the dreams that come to CES and often die here, but uh-huh. in them we can see where things are going, like... Like the self-driving suitcase? Have you heard about this one? Oh, that sounds exciting. I did hear about that briefly. It uh, follows you around the uh, the airport. Yeah, it's it's like a corgi, um, but it's a robot, <laughs> and it uh, uses artificial intelligence to um, lock on to its owner using computer vision. It's got all these cameras around it, and then at up to six miles per hour, it'll just kind of follow along with you. And six miles per options. hour. If somebody's 50-pound suitcase comes at my kids at six miles an hour, it's going to knock them down. Could be ugly. Could be ugly. What am I going to pay, likely, to uh, free myself up from using my arm? $800. And they say they're actually going to sell that on Amazon later this year. It's one of these ideas that's been around CES for literally forever and has never actually worked. But I tried this one, and I would say it was like 75% of the time it worked. Like I even was doing circle eights and running around and... It was able to follow me. So Is there any reason you couldn't the- sit on it and ride it to your uh, gate? Um, you probably weigh a little too much. Hmm. Oh, ouch. Well, no, your business. A, that was a little hurtful. <laughs> now you could actually lose your luggage on the way to the gate. That's yeah. an Hey, where'd it go? Yeah. Uh, fabulous. So uh, what was that weird term you threw out, Jack, before we started talking? The to Bell Jeff? Nexus. What is that? I don't know. Is that a thing, Sean? Did you see I, some sort of weird like air transport helicopter hybrid thing? Did you happen to, to glimpse any of that? 
Oh, I didn't actually see that in person yet, um, but uh, I, I've heard of, you know, CES is also a place where, you know, companies like to come out with all sorts of weird new modes of transportation, um, most of which never, um, never right. make it to market. And, and would kill half of the people who try to use them. Uh, how about rollable TVs, TVs you can roll up into a little ball? Yeah, or, this is the, uh, the, the must-have television of the year for billionaires and, uh, you know, James Bond wannabes. LG has made this OLED TV, which is kind of their highest quality one, best picture, all that sort of stuff. Um, but now the OLED happens to have this capability that it doesn't need to be behind glass. It can bend. So they made one that literally rolls up in, up and down out of a box so that when you have your billion-dollar view out of your uh, home's windows, you don't have to block it with your television. That's uh, pretty cool. You can just press a button. And I'll, come up and down. I'll stuff that in my robot suitcase on the way to the uh, wherever I'm going. You know, I don't. There you go. I don't mind that idea, but well, I guess it'll get a no, lot. No, no, that could cheaper. be that could be awesome if I if I've got a twenty inch screen that I can roll up and you know put in my bag or whatever. And as soon as I get to the plane, I unroll it or a hotel room or wherever I'm going. Yeah, I've got a big screen with me all the time. It'd be pretty awesome. I think there there's a lot of interesting uh, ideas to come with screens. One other thing um, that we're going to see later this year is Samsung is going to make a foldable phone. So, yes, that's called a flip phone. I realize that. <laughs> but this one's going to be a smartphone that basically is a tablet that you then kind of like fold over in the middle like a book, and then it becomes a, a more slender thing, and you can stick that in your pocket. And this exact same technology, OLED, that, that can be made to bend. Okay. All They've right. invented a phone with a cord on it. <laughs> Jeff Fowler, Washington Post technology columnist on the line, reporting on the CES from Las Vegas. What else has captured your fancy? Um, well, you know, there's uh, one other television thing. This is actually a pretty big TV show. Well, two other television things I'll tell you about because who doesn't like to be a couch potato? Um, one, uh, that the, the CES kicked off with kind of the, a strange announcement between Samsung and Apple. Now, Apple has no official presence at, at CES and uh, obviously has a reputation for not getting along with anybody other than themselves, but they're going to now put an Apple iTunes app on Samsung TVs, which means that you don't have to buy one of those Apple TV plug-in doodads to, to get to, to Apple's video and music and all the other kind of stuff. And that's a pretty big moment for Apple kind of acknowledging that, uh, you know, not everybody in the world is going to buy Apple hardware, but we might want to access some of its, uh, some of its services. Um, so that's important for Apple as they, Figure out what comes after the iPhone, which, as you may have heard, people are buying or upgrading less often. Um, um, any significant leaps forward in autonomous driving, the uh, the automatic cars? Yeah, you know, um, we, more of them are showing up here. BMW brought an autonomous um, motorcycle with them. Uh, Oof, and, wow. and, and even Boy, that's Vegas, a level of trust going to take me a while to achieve. <laughs> yes. And uh, the other thing that's happening in Vegas is that if you if you hail a Lyft ride, you know, like the competitor to to Uber, um, the car that comes to pick you up might be self-driving. They've been doing some tests along the strip, and I randomly got one uh, while I was here. Um, so that's similar to what Google's Waymo is has been running in Phoenix, Arizona. So um, we're definitely getting to a point where we're going to start uh, being able to ride these things as consumers. Boy, I love that idea because it eliminates that few minutes of, I hope it's not a weirdo. I hope it's not a weirdo. It's nobody. <laughs> it's just a car. I love that idea. Um, uh, so we tried um, uh, virtual reality stuff a couple of years ago. Somebody set it up here for us at work, and it was really, really cool. And this was, God, two, three years ago. Where is it now in terms of how good it is or how affordable it is? 
Um, it's getting both better in terms of the images in it and more affordable. And even more importantly, um, you don't necessarily have to wear a big cable attached to the back of your uh, your head anymore. Uh, Facebook, which owns Oculus, has announced they've got a really cool unit that's going to come out later this year that enables you to kind of move around uh, in the world without, you know, without having to be tethered to anything. The first ones came with that and you'd always be tripping over the the wires and whatnot. So now you just got to make sure that you don't hit into the wall because, of course, you are effectively blindfolded. So make sure you're doing it in a big room. You know, Jeff, this is kind of a tangent, but I heard you say Oculus, which is owned by Facebook, and I immediately thought, well, I'm not buying yeah, that. Yeah, me too. That's funny. Mm-hmm. My first thought was, well, I'm not interested then. Yeah. Isn't that something? The fact that yeah. it's attached to Facebook is a big turnoff. I'll bet for a lot of people. Indeed. Facebook had a really, really terrible 2018 and um, one of the big tech stories of the year is can and how will they turn that around? They can't and they won't. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> he, ru- he ruined his brand by stealing from people their information, and he deserves to be uh, a pariah forever and will be. Well, and Jeff, just before you came on, we were talking about that big New York article that I'm sure you saw uh, came out to uh, New York Magazine over the uh, Christmas time about uh, how many clicks are fake and, and the click farms and the rest of it. So, yeah, that. That uh, change will come rapidly to that world, uh, you know, where it goes in the next year or so. Nobody knows, but it, it ain't up, I'm guessing. But, you know. Yep, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yep. Jeff Fowler, Washington Post tech columnist. Uh, Jeff, hey, it's always great to talk. Enjoy Las Vegas. Don't get too exhausted by uh, either the work or the recreation. We'll talk soon. You bet. All right, thanks. Well, that, that, that whole Facebook thing is a lesson for, for, well, for life, for everything. But, I mean, they couldn't have been flying higher than they were flying at one point. Mm-hmm. And uh, just in terms of the, the the feel people had when they heard the word Facebook. Yeah. Now they're on the complete other end of it. Yeah. Man, if I'm dying of something exotic and the doctor comes to me and says, Joe, good news. We have a drug that can save your life. It's made by Facebook. I'm thinking, oh, great. Yeah. Now they're going to know everything I do, everywhere I go, everybody I talk to, and everything I say. I'm sure this drug includes, like, microphones and cameras in my bloodstream. But it's not just a lesson on things come and go. I mean, they're going. Everything does come and go. But they're going because they were lying to people. They were lying to advertisers about how many people they were reaching. Mm -hmm. They were lying to us about what they were doing with our information and how much of it they were using. And when caught, they continued to lie about it. And still do to this day. Yeah. Yeah, they brought it on themselves. Yeah, well, as the great Mark Twain uh, once said, and it's one of my favorite sayings of all time, always do right. This will gratify many people and astonish the rest. Should have kept that in mind, Mark. How easy does the whole suitcase thing have to get? I mean, they now have such good wheels on them that you can just, like, with one finger, push it through the airport. Yeah, what am I doing that I can't even just roll the thing? (laughs) I don't, but I don't know. Maybe having unlimited money makes that sort of thing seem attractive. You've got to have something to amuse yourself. I guess. I don't know. I'll just keep dragging mine. I'm fine. Check in on the shutdown and the border battle, I suppose. Also, the catchiest song uh, currently out that once it's in your head, you'll never be able to get rid of. We might try it as new transition music. It's the hot new thing. All right. Everybody's talking about Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the of nation. Of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Man, I'm 
continuing to read through this New Yorker article about uh, the world of the Internet and the inversion and how there's more fake stuff than real stuff at this point and how much of YouTube is fake, how much of Amazon is fake, how much of the political discourse is fake, how much of uh, the advertising um, uh, effectiveness is fake. So much of everything online is phony. Right. It's, um, well, and as a guy who looks through many, many, many emails every single day, a lot of what uh, folks forward to us is you know, it's fake. It's concocted. Oh, and then, and then <clears throat> he wraps up the article, which is something pretty good. We ourselves are fake. We've created these phony lives that are, at the very least, a uh, an inflated view of what we are and what mm. we look like, if not completely phony. <laughs> See, that's funny. I, I tend to do the opposite. You know, I'll post that I'm picking up my dog's poo on the weekends, my exciting celebrity lifestyle. But the, Forget it, I'm barbecuing burgers. But, you know, the uh, the Christmas card letter style oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Facebook page or, or postings or whatever, your kids are always great and perfect and you look perfect and sure. the house looks perfect. And right. So we've right. got fake lives to fit in with all the other phoniness. Yeah. Unbelievable. Well, by the way, just briefly, if you're just tuning in, uh, no, they haven't come anywhere close to a compromise over building a little bit of a wall and uh, funding other stuff and opening the government and nobody's budging and it's all ridiculous and silly and they could solve it in an afternoon if people were coming to the table, uh, honestly. So Trump walked in with um, uh, Skittles. Delicious snacks. M&M's. Always appreciated. Etc. Handed them out. Then he said, if I agree to open the government back up, will you agree to, uh, to some fencing, some wall, whatever you want to call it? And she said, absolutely not. And he said, well, then it's a waste of time. Got him left. That was what happened yesterday. That does not sound like a negotiation that's very close. I don't know. Sometimes you have to reach that point before you get to the real work, I guess. But Right. You're testing the other side. Or sometimes, I suppose, that's at the point that, that, that you're never going to fix it. Although this has to be fixed. It not getting done is not an option. Right. Right. Well, yeah, maybe. Um, They're kicking gonna... the can down the road, having accomplished nothing, is kind of what D.C. does the best. Yeah, but no, but they, the government has to get reopened. They aren't going to let these million people never get paid again and just fire them all. That's not going to happen. Sure, right. Never open the national parks again, that sort of thing. Right. Uh, we got this note from T.S., by the way, on that topic. Uh, it's it's a rather long and detailed, um, and he's making the point, and, and does so uh, pretty convincingly, that um, we were hammering the Democratic Party for wanting the issue of illegal immigration, not wanting to solve it, um, not wanting uh, real border security. And he said, look, the Republicans run on stopping illegal immigration term after term after term, cycle after cycle. And if they ever actually stopped it, they wouldn't get to run on it. So I think it's the Republicans' fault. That's a brief summary of T.S.'s argument. There's a lot of truth to that. Well, as I said... And I... and the reason Donald J. Trump got elected is people get that. They're not getting fooled anymore. They're not buying the, the, the half-truths of you know their favorite Republican candidate from years past. They don't buy it anymore. So they wanted to chuck a bomb into Washington, D.C. And it happens to have you know somewhat orange skin and blonde hair. Mm-hmm. But so thank you for the note, T.S. You can email us anytime you want. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. And feel free. You, you disagree. You want to offer up an alternate point of view or, or gushing praise. That's fine. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. I hate to miss sensations. I feel like I'm kind of in the business of knowing when a sensation is happening mm. at all fronts. Hanson, uh, are your kids into this song sensation? Are they into this thing, the shark thing? No. 
Executive producer Mike Hansen, no. Um, right. What's the name of the song? This is, I guess, it's a, it's a, it's just like taking over the world of, of young kids. Is it the Baby Shark song? Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Yes, the Baby Shark song. That's the name of the song. It is correct, sir. Yes, indeed. And it goes. Somewhere. But, Where did what, it come what, from? But is, is it a video or just a song? Is it a TV show? Or is it a cartoon? I saw a part of a video. Where does it come from? Is Does anybody have any idea? The, the first time I became aware of it was there was an adorable young girl, probably about the age of two, that was trying to get her Alexa smart speaker to play Baby Shark, but she couldn't say it right, and the speaker couldn't understand her, and so there was this cute little 35 to 45 second interaction between this adorable girl and the Alexa speaker trying to get Baby Shark to play. And that's the first time I saw it kind of crest on this viral sensation. So she was trying to get this song to play, yes. which brought attention to the song. Yes. I see. I will I will interject that that whole Alexa not understanding your little kid thing is only cute for a little while. <laughs> and then you want to throw the dang thing through the window. <laughs> Interesting. As they scream at it and she screams back and the wrong song plays. And it's just very You never angry. listen to me. Um, so we got to play a little of the Baby Shark song. Here's how it goes. Oh, it's a whole family of sharks. So it's a dance also. Oh, he's got more bass in his voice. It's no my way, but it's catchy. I'm, I'm wondering where this is going. Grandpa Shark, okay. Both, both heteronormative relationships. Homophobic. The grandparent sharks on the dance don't have teeth. Let's go hunt. Sharks are meat eaters, Jack. Deal with it. Okay. I think, uh, oh, Lord. I think, I think, uh, I think if you're two and a half, this is a great tune. Make it stop. Run away, perpetuating fear of sharks. Along with the homophobia. Not facing your problems head on. Why don't you just carve off a shark's fins and, and contribute to the Holocaust of the oceans? Now your new dad do 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 Mom got tired of the old guy do 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 Are there more verses? Uh, I, I don't know. For every lifestyle and family arrangement. <laughs> Polyamorous shark do 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 Polyamory do 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 yeah, I don't like the whole husband and wife, male and female, and then apparently same with grandma and grandpa. That's uh, a it's exclusive, uh, exclusionary. There's a prejudice. What's coming up in your Good news? for those little sharks with an intact family. Study after study shows that really changes the outcomes for sharks for the better. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, President Trump's heading to the southern border. What he's saying about the visit may surprise you. Elon Musk is teasing about new Tesla features and Amazon fighting back against porch pirates. Coming up. Awesome. Yarr. Uh, if the driver didn't steal your packages, I think you dodged a bullet. You're ahead of the game. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> News next on the Armstrong and Getty Show. I don't know what the world may want, but a good stiff drink it surely don't. So I think I'll go and fix myself a In this newscast, newscast, we have some fresh new Trump commentary, right? He's talking to people and this and that. That's yep. very exciting. 
Uh, news now with Marsha Phillips. Well, President Trump heading out for a security briefing on the U.S.-Mexico border during a visit to McAllen, Texas. He's going to be going to a Border Patrol station and look around, but he's openly expressed doubts his appearance and remarks will change any minds as he seeks the $5 billion for a border wall. Well, he didn't openly express that. He said it to reporters off the record, yes. and then they reported it, Yes, even though it was off the record. And so. even though it's every president who does this sort of thing knows that and chuckles it to the reporters, and the reporters know and all. But in the, the, the era of uh, Trump derangement syndrome, the New York Times breaks its vow of off the record. And right. Prints a non-story and acts like it's, uh, you know, like they're all aghast. As for dealing with Democrats on border security and the partial government shutdown, Trump was telling reporters this morning. We have a lot of great things happening. The economy is incredible. We're negotiating and having tremendous success with China. And I find China, frankly, in many ways to be far more honorable (laughs) than Brian Chuck and Nancy. I really do. I think that China is actually much easier to deal with than the opposition party. Let's, wow. let's not overlook the cry and chuck Cry and chuck. <laughs> Those are negotiations that have broken down right there. Right. Ouch. And before leaving, Trump uh, was telling reporters he is going to head as leaning toward declaring a national emergency at the border. I have the absolute right to declare a national emergency. The lawyers have so advised me. I'm not prepared to do that yet, but if I have to, I will. So there you go, Trump on his way to the border. What percentage of Americans are looking at this and saying, uh, essentially taking it at face value? And are saying, boy, if we don't win this battle against the evil Trump and permit him to build his immoral wall, uh, why, we'll be doomed. Or how many Americans on the right are saying, boy, if we don't get this chunk of fence built, we're doomed as a country. I think that the percentages are fairly small, and I think the rest of us are looking at it all and saying, would you two just get together and figure something out and fix immigration? There was an op-ed piece in the New York Times today, uh... Time to end this imperial presidency. Oh, stop Referencing it. the, if he declares a national emergency and does it on his own, that he's taking on king-like powers and blah, blah, blah. Where were you when Barack Obama said 23 times that he can't legalize the DACA people, then went ahead and did it? Now, all of a sudden, you're concerned about an imperial presidency. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is trying to reassure U.S. allies that the U.S. remains committed to the Middle East. Allies in the region are concerned about Trump's plan to pull American ground troops from Syria. Now, Pompeo is in Egypt today. He was speaking in Cairo, citing great success against ISIS in war-torn Syria. He said the U.S. will continue targeting terrorists around the world, and he noted that the U.S. is also committed to curbing Iran's growing influence in the Middle East. Did you see Sisi, the dictator of Egypt, on 60 Minutes Sunday night? What do you have to say? Well, first of all... Do you they walk like an Egyptian? The hit record of the 80s uh, had it. The Egyptians tried to get the 60 Minutes piece to not run because they were so unhappy with the way he was portrayed. Well, and he accidentally said some stuff that he wasn't supposed to, I guess. But he's, you know, it is what it is. He's the dictator. Meet the new boss, same as the old boss. He replaced Mubarak, and now he's the dictator of Egypt. But uh, we give more money to them. Only Israel gets more money from us than than Egypt uh, to try to keep things okay in the middle east right. and, and he's he's just a, he's just playing a ruthless dictator mm-hmm. and feels like he has to be to keep the country under control 
Amazon's decided and it's to... probably worth uh, noting that, you know, under control as opposed to Islamic fundamentalists. Right, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's not like some slightly left of... Like the American Democrat Party is going to take over in Egypt. No, it'll be is, Islamic fundamentalists. Amazon fighting back against porch pirates. The company is planning to start delivering packages inside our garages so they don't get stolen. Amazon announcing a service called... There goes my bike. And yeah, so we've we've had a number of people yeah. tell us that there's literally no background check for people who drive for Amazon. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but there are some pretty sketchy customers well, that have showed up to my gate to deliver packages for, for I, Amazon. I have been told that the uh, guidelines that are supposed to be followed are sometimes uh, not if they need drivers. But that, you know, who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe yeah, I've uh, I don't know. been fed bad information. I don't know either. They have lawyers. But I certainly have, have seen a bunch of people delivering yeah. packages that I don't want them to give them the key to my house. <laughs> so how are they getting into my garage, Marshall? Amazon says the service called Key for Garage is uh, going to require some additional hardware. Going to have a smart garage hub that will cost you 80 bucks. That will let Amazon talk to your garage door opener. New service is going to be available in a few months. A few months from now. Hey, good news! The protein shakes are here, honey. My golf clubs are gone, but the protein <laughs> shakes are here. <laughs> yeah. So you know it'll be like I guess a universal remote to open up. You know, sure. garage doors. Sure, have come on in. I'll drink my protein shake while I shop for a new bike. I've never met you in my life, but you work for a company I've heard of. So come on in. <laughs> and Tesla's CEO Elon Musk teasing some remarkable upcoming features for his electric cars. One is a planned SpaceX package for the Roadster that would use thrusters to let the car hover and make short hops. Yes! Finally! Finally! Hopping yes. cars! <laughs> yeah. yeah, another feature might be a little closer to a street near you. It is a remote summon feature to let the car drive to your phone's location over short distances. So That'd can, be pretty can, cool. You can oh, use your phone yeah. to summon your car to so come just, to your curb. Batman I'm, had something like that. I'm walking right. out of the Sears. Instead of walking clear over to the parking lot, the crowded parking lot at Sears, to get my car, I just hit my little button, and it comes to me, and I get in. How lazy off. are you? Go over there to your car. How about this, though? No more valet charges. You park six blocks away. You walk, you know, the one way, granted. They don't have... Then you just uh, summon your car. They don't have valet at Cracker Barrel. <laughs> <laughs> That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Ate at Cracker Barrel over Christmas. Awesome. Oh, yes. Yeah. Guess what I had? Same thing I always have. Chicken, Chicken fried, fried steak. Chicken fried steak. Yeah, buddy. With gravy and hash browns. You're a consistent man. Toast. This place with like the, the tables have the checkerboard on them, right? Uh, they, they got that, and they also got the little triangle thing where you try yeah, to get the, yeah. the golf tees out of it. Love that. <laughs> so among things that are no longer hot, Disco. Bell bottoms and commuting on your bike. Bike lane fever has broken. Oh boy, that's too bad since a gazillion dollars has been spent on bike lanes. And will be continued to be spent. That sentence was terrible. By uh, people who are devotees of the idea in defiance of all reality. The diamond lane, the bike lane in many cases, it's just, it's because people think they're cool. They don't do any good. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. 
He opened the meeting with allowing them, tell me what you think we should do. Tell me what your offer is. Again, for about the third meeting in a row, after we just spent the whole weekend with staff working things up, again, no offer whatsoever from Speaker Pelosi or Schumer. Well, I heard even a Democrat strategist say yesterday that the Democrats might be playing this to where they lose their upper hand, that it, at least that person believed they had, mm. and it looking like Trump was causing this problem. If they continue to to make no effort to appear to uh, be solving the problem. Well, I've seen a couple of heavyweights who seem to be uh, speaking the agreed-upon talking points from the Democrat side, including Chuck and Nancy, actually, the other night, now that I think about it, hitting the, the president said that Mexico would pay for the wall. Everybody who's a Trump fan or kind of marginal Trump fan or just understands what's going on understands that that was mostly just being funny. Sure. Or, or you know, nobody seriously thought, yeah, the, somehow Donald J. Trump is going to make the Mexican government write a check. Everybody knew that was kind of nutty. I'm not going to pay for that. Wall. Yes, sir, Mr. President, sir. Um, so if that is one of their main talking points, I think they're unmoored from reality a little bit. They don't understand what's going to be persuasive. And I just and I hear him saying the president himself said he would own this shutdown. Yeah, well, it's just not the way people perceive the world. That's it's just. Well, we'll see how it goes. I'm I'm not that concerned about it. Mm. I feel bad for. You know, some of the TSA folks and the National Park folks and Coast Guard people, goodness knows. Um, but it'll get settled eventually. I'm not going to get my uh, my uh, undergarment in a knot. So, um, speaking of fair-mindedness, I love uh, uh, riding my bicycle. I mostly have been a mountain bike guy because you drivers scare the heck out of me. I don't understand y'all who, who do road riding like on narrow roads with no bike lane or little bike lane. And you just... Uh, it's just uh, somebody glances down at a text and your life is over. I would never or do changed that. forever. I don't. I don't get it. Uh, I'm not saying you shouldn't. I just don't get it. But anyway, um, I am pro bike. I'm not pro obnoxious, nasty bike gangs like have existed in some cities. But I want you to know, I'm pro bicycle. I'm just a realist. Like the diamond lanes, the uh, the carpool lanes, the high occupancy vehicle lanes in your more particularly wordy states. <laughs> they are a really good idea. You grant access to this fast zoomy lane during rush hour to people who are sharing a ride. It eliminates traffic. It cuts down on pollution. It's a really good idea. And that's why all of us got together with our coworkers, and every morning we get up an hour earlier so we can drive by and pick them up right? and drive in the uh, diamond lane to work. Yeah, it's a really good idea that does not work. Study after study has shown it does nothing to lower congestion. I don't know if or I need it. Does to... so little, it's, it's, it's insignificant. And if they were to open up that lane to all traffic, that would actually cut down on more pollution and more time wasted. Do I need a study or do I just need to glance over to the left and see that that lane is practically empty all the time? Well, right. Yeah. So uh, I'm not against the idea. I'm against the idea if it doesn't work. And like I said, I'm pro bike. But 
in cities like, for instance, Seattle, which may indeed be the most bicycle-friendly city in America, they've eliminated traffic lanes and streets and all and said, no, these are for the legions of bike commuters. Davis, California, which has the Bicycle Hall of Fame. Their claim There's to fame, a Bicycle their, Hall of Fame. Yes, and it's in Davis, California, and they argue they are the most bicycle-friendly city in America. All right. That's their claim to fame. But anyway, the point re- remains. Yeah, in 2017, according to the census... Uh, a mere 2.8% of Seattle's workforce commuted to work by bicycle. That was down from 3.5% in 2016. What percent? 2.8. 2.8. That's right. I violated my own rule. You got to tell what the statistic is before you give the statistic. Because you don't care when you hear the right. number till you hear what it is. Right. Right. My even, mistake. I don't even know if it's low, high, or right where I'd expect it. What percentage of Seattle's workforce commutes by bicycle? 2.8%. If you'd have told eight. me 8, I'd have thought, well, that's just not enough to like reroute traffic and eliminate lanes. God, it's 2-something. Interestingly, that's down from 3.5% in 2016 and 4% in 2015. So it's declined by more than a third God, and you in, have, a, in a couple, two, three years. Well, maybe you're going to get into this, but you have to have a particular situation where you even can ride a bike to work. Mm-hmm. Right, I would like to. Honestly, I probably would. If I, if but I, it's hap- impossible. If I happen to live close enough, and, and there, yeah, I, I might. You know that that's funny. That reminds me of another good sounding idea. That's just it's it's unicornian. It sounds wonderful and makes your heart swell with joy. But then, if a grown up spends two minutes thinking about it, you realize it's not going to work. And that's these. Live, work, play communities. We need to redesign our world so that everybody lives in high rises right next to their work and where their parks and their schools are all right next to and nobody has a car and blah, blah, blah. Okay. All right. Super duper. What if the company closes or changes or downsizes or whatever? What if I get a better offer and a chance to maybe live some of my dreams or pay for my kid's college education? And that company works 25 miles away. What do I do then? I got to move to one of those communities over there. What if they don't have any openings? What do you mean I got to yank my kids out of school? Because everything's together, remember? This, This stuff will not work. But people are so enthused about it. Anyway. So, uh, Seattle, which may be the bike commutinous place on earth, has fewer than 12,000 people who do it. Uh, in between 2016 and 2017, bicycle commuting was dropping in Boston. And I'd hate to quibble, but does it say how often they do it? Do you have to do it once to qualify for being somebody who commuted to work, or once a month, or once a week, or do you have to do it most days? I think that's the average per day. Okay. Um, uh, in Boston, it's dropped by 12%. It's dropped by 14% in Atlanta, by nine, by 20% in San Francisco, by 24% in Austin. Nationwide, the average number of Americans using a bike to work fell uh, to just, it's about 840,000, which is a decrease of about 3.2% per year. Considering the billions of dollars, and this is from the from townhall.com, which is a conservative news site, um, considering the billions of dollars that federal, state, and local governments have poured into bicycle infrastructure over the past decade, the steady drop in cycling amounts to a sharp vote of no confidence in bicycles as the much-touted wave of transportation's future. Um, and I think that's true. I think it was a craze. It was like a dance craze. Yeah. It's a good idea for some people, and it's a great experience for some people. But quite a number of people thought, wow, that sounds cool, and then realized it was utterly impractical for their lives. Um, and, or you just don't want to do it for whatever reason. Yeah. 
Um, I like to be able to stop by the store and carry a whole bunch of stuff. I like being in a car. There are a lot of people who want to write taxpayer checks for things that sound good. I'm kind of in favor of figuring out if they work. I was surprised to find when I was uh, in Kansas for what we call Cousin Christmas in my family that uh, several of your smaller towns in Kansas have spent a bunch of money on bike lanes and eliminated some of the regular driving lanes, which mm-hmm. clogs traffic, as I explained to my nieces. That is the the town trying to force you into bikes. By, I know that's happened in the town I live in. Mm-hmm. I I know it's been discussed out loud. They want to make driving so slow and uncomfortable, you decide, I might as well ride a bike. Yeah, again. By eliminating, they did it in San Diego, by eliminating some of the roads where people used to drive. Now they're bike lanes. You have to ride a bike. It's just as fast. Except people don't. But Except they don't. It, it'll, right. it would have to get really, really, really bad before you would. But it's it's a craze that's happening in a variety of places. And it'd be hard to ever go back, too. Once you've eliminated a lane... When are you ever going to come up with the funds to bring that lane back? You know, I wish we had time right now, but we'll get to it eventually. I saw a great, uh, it was a TED Talk, actually, um, from a guy who used to be a green energy activist and still is, actually, but he is now a pro-nuclear energy activist because the amount of carbon uh, 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 emissions created by the manufacture of, use of, and disposal of solar panels, for instance, is astounding relative to the amount of energy that's produced. So more on that to come. The Armstrong and Getty Show.